When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mikey, Lines beat writer for MLive, joined as always by Big Ben Raven. We are here at Ford Field in the press box, actually in the, in the home radio booth, Ben, where we have learned that despite all the off-season hype, the Lions will not, in fact, go 17-0, <laughs> losing a, a heartbreaker, 37-31 against the Seahawks. Ben, there's just so much to pull out of this game. Uh, obviously, a really disappointing result. What was your big um, your big takeaway today? You know, I, I just the lack of pass rush and the defense's inability to get off the field really just crushed them. I mean, the Seahawks have the Lions number, and Geno Smith has continued to like revive his career whenever he sees this defense. I just did a defensive letdown story at MLive.com slash Lions, and in three games across three years, Aaron Glenn's defense has surrendered 136 points of offense and nearly 1,500 yards of total offense to the Seahawks in these three games. And Geno was money again. I mean, evading and throwing downfield. I mean, he was he looked elite against this defense today. Geno completed 78% of his passes for 328 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and the Lions only defended one pass. Those are, are bad numbers. And, you know, the secondary has taken a hit for it, Ben. I thought the bigger issue was the, the pass mm-hmm. rush. And we always hear about how, you know, pass defense is a marriage of coverage and and rush. And listen, the coverage guys weren't good enough. We saw boneheaded penalties from CJ Garner-Johnson. We saw pass interference from Jerry Jacobs. I mean, there's issues back there. But when you're not getting pressure on a, on a quarterback, it makes those guys' jobs impossible in the back. And it's something we've seen over the years with lackluster pass rushes in Detroit, um, those guys up front were billed as something better this year. And, and listen, Aiden Hutchinson's had a, a fine start to the season, but he was, I would, I would say, largely held in check today. Um, and nobody behind him did anything. And and I'm not, that's not really hyperbole. I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now. Geo Smith was hit one time, Ben, <laughs> one time in this game. And it was by a linebacker. Zero hits from the defensive line, zero hits by the edge rushers. Um, you know, against a team without, you know, without its two offensive tackles, um, that's simply not good enough. And and today it wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about the one hit they got on Smith. It was on an insane, like 10 plus second scramble for his life. I can't believe he didn't throw it away three or four times, but yeah, just a absolutely brutal spot for the secondary to be in today. And I mean, 
the Seahawks have got weapons. This wasn't Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore out there today. Like I said earlier this week, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's one of the most underrated beat you whenever they get open duos in the NFL. And I mean, when you give a guy, Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, and you have Jerry Jacobs and one-on-one coverage, and you're not facing any pressure, Tyler Lockett's going to get open and he's going to make plays. And that's exactly what happened. The Lions were still in it, obviously. Yeah. They took this game to overtime. And I think that's a pretty remarkable feat. It speaks well to Jared Goff and his poise and cool under pressure. He, I mean, he was really, really uh, had a strong performance, I would say, for 98% of this game. Um, led two scoring drives there at the end, including hitting um, Sam Laporta on third and 12 to move the chains on the second to last drive. Caps off that drive with a, a touchdown pass to Josh Reynolds. They did that twice in this game, really picking off some of the picking up from the the, the chemistry they had in the first game of of um, this season, and then of course the field goal to tie up the game as time expired. Um, Benny also had the pick six, <laughs> ending the 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 interception streak. I'm I'm sure that's one nice thing to come out of this is that golf won't have to be asked for that you know thousandth time about um, the last time he threw a pick, but he, he did throw the pick six. Uh, in the third quarter, it was a pretty poor pass. Went right into the arms of of the Seahawks cornerback uh, Trey Jones, and he went forty yards the other way for a a touchdown. And just like that, with a David Montgomery fumble right before yeah. that, then the pick six back to back giveaways in the third quarter. Um, it turned uh, the Lions' lead into a ten point deficit, and it was something that they had to claw back from, and they did, but really put them behind the eight ball in a position. You know, they they should have controlled this game, and instead they were playing from behind. Uh, and a costume. Yeah, that is the point. They should have controlled this game. It, it felt like an absolute game. They should have controlled from the get. And I, I agree with you. The offense, I I don't have any concerns about this offense. Yeah, the vertical attack isn't what it you thought it was going to be, but Goff still found ways to get it done. And I mean, falling down 10 points, Big V goes out with an injury. Goff gets a pressure. Goff gets a sack. Goff throws the pick six and then bounce back and leads them right down the field. I mean, Say what you will about that final drive. I, I I don't think it was I don't view it as the Lions settling for a field goal. I got a lot of questions about that in the postgame video. I think it's they got stopped and they didn't want to give the Seahawks the ball with time on the clock, you know. I mean, we'll see about that one. But yeah, just having a chance. I mean, I think Dan Campbell and Jared Goff both said it. They didn't feel like they deserved to win this one, but they still had a chance there at the end of the game. And that does say something about this team. But yeah, just that defense, man. Defense. Dan Campbell talked after the game about his his clock management there. And I know he's come under a little bit of scrutiny for um, milking the clock, um, perhaps maybe a little too much on the last series and and, um, playing for the field goal rather than the win. Um, So let's listen to Dan Campbell, what he said after the game, and then we can weigh in. Yeah, to me, we had plenty of time to score a touchdown. It wasn't about the time to me. Ended up, we ended up in a fourth down was more than – we were, I wasn't, I never felt like we were crunched against the clock to score a touchdown. That's, I didn't feel that, we didn't feel that offensively. I, because we still had time, we had timeouts, and it wasn't that, we just, man, we didn't, you know, we weren't able to convert. Um, it was really more of that. I, I felt like the time was, we were good. Uh, yeah, Ben, you already kind of weighed in there a little bit with, you know, thinking like um, that clock management wasn't a big issue. I tend to agree. Maybe they cut it a little too close to comfort. I think maybe they they bled too much of the clock after um, two big plays open that series, got something like a minute left in the game. Uh, and then before the next play goes off, there's like 30 seconds left. So I, I think maybe there could have been a little bit better control of the clock. 
But to Dan Campbell's point and to your point, I mean, you get a first down there on third down or at least make it fourth and one, fourth and two, and you're in a position where you can go for it on fourth down, you still have enough time for three strikes at the at the end zone from the 20-yard line. Um, so it's not like they were just playing to tie necessarily, although could the clock stuff have, you yeah. know, could they have been stronger and more efficient in that moment, particularly in that, in that third play with the clock bled down to about 30 seconds. Um, I think, I think so. And I think that was an error. I agree too. And I mean, I remember looking at you in the press box after those first two plays and I was like, Oh, I guess the, the regulation ends here because I mean, it went from 140 to like 30 seconds in the blink of an eye. So I definitely agree with you there. I didn't have a problem with the end of the game because you, you ate all the clock. That's what you want to do in that situation. But yeah, giving yourself another extra 20 seconds to maybe win that thing would have been best. But yeah, I, I didn't have any major gripes with that. There was some coaching. I don't know if blunders is the right word, but we, you know, we're both big fans of Dan Campbell and the staff. And I think they've done a tremendous job, particularly on the offensive side of putting this roster in positions to win. We saw it down the stretch last year. I think they really maximized what they had uh, to, to, to win games. And of course this year, the roster's better and the expectation has been set. And we saw in the opener against Kansas city, what this team is capable of. They're capable of taking down anybody, Today it was really the the unenforced errors that the the turnovers, particularly in the third quarter, I think that turned this game and and took them from from a position of controlling the game to a position where they're playing behind the eight ball and you know you need a lot of things to go your way. And I, I know something Dan Campbell told the team after the game was, yeah, we had a chance to win this game if everything went right, but that's not really a game we deserve to win because of the plays we made. You need you need everything to go your way at that point. Um, in the end, uh, to pull it out, and they didn't. They they lost a coin flip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't control the coin flip. Uh, and and Jared Goff never touched the football. If the Lions start an offense, maybe we're talking about a totally different result. Yeah, and I mean, Goff said it perfectly after the game. I mean, he's not blaming the rules, but he's like, man, that's the worst case scenario for me not to even get to touch the ball in overtime. And that's just uh, like you said. I mean, opening the second half the way they did. I mean, in the blink of an eye, it was a tie game. Yeah, if you're if if, if there's some you know magic world where we can take away the turnovers from today. I thought we played pretty well, but outside of that, um, you know, the turnovers is what kill you. You got to take care of the ball. And um, we didn't, and it, it ended up costing us. You, you lose that advantage. And like, I mean, the first two games of the season are a perfect microcosm of needing things to go your way. Kadarius Tony puts two on the ground last week. You know, there's some things that go the lion's way, the bounce balls, the pick six going their way. I mean, it just didn't happen today. You know, I mean, I mean, we said it multiple times, just kind of like Metcalf and Lockett are guys that are going to give you freebies, and that's kind of exactly what happened today. We uh, joke a lot then about, you know, overreaction Mondays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious where you stand on what this game means for Detroit. Does it change your your view on this team at all, what it's capable of, what, you know, just how talented they are? I mean, the first game was a great win. This was a heartbreaking loss, and it's really a game they had in their grasp and let you know let let it go with some unenforced errors. Um, do you feel any differently about this team today than you did before this game? No, I, I really don't. You know, I really don't. Just because I think I was higher on the Seahawks than a lot of people. This is a reigning playoff team. This is a solid team with a resurgent quarterback and weapons all over the field and a proven head coach. But I think. If you were to ask me where my concerns are higher than they were before today, it is with the defense because, I mean, there's 
you're going against two reserve offensive tackles. And I know it's the NFL, but they're without their two best guys. And the Lions are sporting all this newfound depth on the defensive edges. Even without Josh Pascal today, there's depth for days on the defensive edges. And I mean, you got somebody like Aiden Hutchinson unable to get home. You're only getting pressure off of a beautifully designed Brian Branch blitz on third down to force a missed field goal. But like, where was that the rest of the game? Where was that aggression? I, I feel like maybe Aaron Glenn wasn't aggressive enough. You know, you've got to disrupt Geno when your defensive line and your interior pass rush isn't getting it done. I mean, heck, the Seahawks lost their center, Evan Brown, in this game in the second half, too, and there still was nothing from the inside, from the outside. The only time they touched Geno was on a fluky 25-yard drop back to his own three-yard line. So I, I am concerned about the defense, but I was already kind of slightly concerned about the defense, at least short-term, without Emmanuel Mosley. I mean, Whenever you let a quarterback like Gino get one-on-one opportunities with Tyler Lockett against Jerry Jacobs, that's that's going to be a problem. And I didn't see the Lions scheme around that. Way too many those play-action rollouts, getting their tight ends in space, taking advantage of the edge defender coverage. I mean, there were things that I didn't see adjustments and I didn't see a tweak to the aggressiveness that I wanted to see. And that's where my concerns are. I definitely saw some growth in the in the run defense, and I think that maybe that was a lingering concern for us about yeah. about this team. And and you know Kenneth Walker the third, he had a nice run uh, to pop off to start this game. Um, he was held to twenty nine yards on his final sixteen yeah. carries, oh. and that's one of the best running backs in the league. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to like about the run defense. That being said. This pass defense is going nowhere without more rush on the quarterback. And again, I, I know we've um, talked about the, the the secondary and those guys have to be better. Um, but that's so tough to do in this league when you give a guy um, 10 seconds to sit back there and, and find his targets. One hit is unacceptable and zero hits from the front seven. Unacceptable. And we've heard so much about the depth of this pass rush and they kept an extra guy at that position because they liked their depth so much. We talked about you know, guys like James Houston and Romeo Quara on the third team and just look at how deep they are. And they go out there against a team without either offensive tackle. And they they don't touch the quarterback. Um, that's that's not good enough. Uh, now you got Josh Pascal going down with injury in practice uh, last week. He's now on injured reserve. James Houston was injured in this game, injured his ankle. Dan Campbell said after the game that he could be lost for a number of weeks. Sounds like IR is a possibility for him. Um, so, you know, Julian Aquara is already an IR, I believe. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and they're not producing, um, where, where's Charles Harris? Where, where is Charles Harris? I mean, like we heard so much about how he was healthy in camp and practicing well. Um, I mean, like, I think he's done some good stuff in the run of fits. I saw him play the option today very well, which, um, it's kind of an unexpected play, uh, at least for me, maybe I haven't scouted Seattle well enough, but uh, we saw an option down near the goal line. And I thought Charles Harris played that really well, but in terms of getting after the quarterback, just not good enough. Great stand on third down, Ben, um, on that last drive from Seattle to get the ball back, to set up your offense near midfield and to tie up the game. And that was a huge stand. And without that stand near their own goal line, chasing Gino around uh, Alex Anzalone, getting home for a, um, a hit, um, you know, maybe this game plays out differently, but it's just not enough to pass rush and they need more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always concerning, disappointing, whatever word you want to say on it. When, a when you lose, when, when the lions lose a game, like to a team that they shouldn't control, they were such heavily favored. I mean, man, this place was rocking. This was a true 
home field advantage today across the board. The Seahawks had multiple pre-snap penalties. They were clearly struggling to communicate. I had my earbuds all the way up trying to listen to the radio radio broadcast. And there were times where I couldn't hear the radio buds in my ear because of how loud the stadium was. Exactly. And just like leaving that on the ground. I mean, listen, this Seahawks team, this is they're going to be competitive in the NFC West. They're going to be competitive in the playoff picture. But that still stinks because this was this was what the Lions talked about wanting and they got it and they came out of here losing. I mean, I know it yep. sucks the way it goes down and there's going to be an even worse taste in their mouths after this one if they see the Seahawks again. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, not throwing in white flags or anything. I still think this is the favorite in the NFC North, but like everyone in the North lost today, by the way. <laughs> did they? Okay. That's the update <laughs> so, I was looking for. It's a <laughs> wide open division. You know, that's what we've been talking about. It's not just the rise of the Lions. It's the fall of, yeah. of the of the North, the, the, the loss of Aaron Rodgers from the division. You know, there's a, a turnover happening. There's a window for competitiveness that's opening. And the Lions mm-hmm. seem like a team that's young and talented and poised to run through that window. Uh, they hit a roadblock today. And I think a lot of this stuff is correctable. That's the good news. Um, but I, I was disappointed, like I said, in some of the coaching decisions. And we've talked about the noise and the yeah. def- the you know, the, some of the disappointing results from the defense. I, I was disappointed to start this game to see the defense, the Lions defense, open the game on the field so that the, the Seahawks are on offense. And this place was deafening. If, if it wasn't the loudest moment in yeah. Ford Field history, it was on the very, very short list. And yet, it was the Lions with the procedural issues, mm-hmm. but too many men on the field. There's a, a really silly um, personal foul by C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the guy who's, you know, shows up to the stadium with a face mask and telling, you know, hyping fans up with the face mask thing. And listen, I kind of geeked out. I think it's a pretty cool <laughs> look. I was walking around Detroit, biking around uh, Detroit before the game and saw lots of people with face masks. I mean, clearly people are excited for this team. They want to get behind them. They show up. The fans do. This place was like 90, 95% capacity, like 20 minutes before the game time, 15 minutes before, yeah. before game time. And then you go out there, you have 12 men on the field. You got a stupid personal foul. You got a defensive pass interference uh, in the end zone. Um, it was Detroit struggling, you know, Detroit's defense struggling to communicate with, with the noise. And that's really disappointing, knowing the kind of decibels we would see tonight. Yeah, and I mean... The final shot Lions fans will remember is seeing the Seahawks celebrate in their locker room with blue ski masks on. So you put yourself out there like that, and that's what you're going to get. I mean, there were a lot of blue ski masks here, and the support was at its best that I've seen. Like I said, I was walking around the stadium just getting a feel for it before the game, and it was like, okay, I need to go back to the elevator in the press box because there ain't no room down here. But, yeah, just – uh Man, yeah, the defensive woes. I mean, it kind of feels like the same woes against the Seahawks three years in a row. You know, it felt like the same exact kind of method to beat them, and they just didn't have it. And then, uh, like you said, I mean, that first – I could not believe that first defensive penalty, too many guys in the huddle. It's like, (laughs) are you kidding me? This is what you wanted. So, yeah, that's just uh, that. And then the start to that second half. I mean, it didn't suck the air out of this place, but it was like, okay, this thing's going down to the wire. They just dug a little hole right here. But – yeah, get another chance against a 2 0 NFC team next week. So Lions are one on one, which is tied with the Packers atop the North. They got they got the, the the Atlanta Falcons next week in week three here at Ford Field. One concern I do have been going into that game is the health of the Lions. Yeah. They they emerged from camp relatively healthy. Um, but they lost Taylor Decker, the left tackle, in the opener. They played without him today. 
They lost um, Big V, the the right guard. During this game, Graham Glasgow played yeah. the entire fourth quarter, basically. David Montgomery suffered a, a thigh bruise. He might be out multiple games, and that's a big blow. I think he's been one of the best players on the field for, uh, for Detroit this season. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but something like 70 yards on 16 carries yeah. um, today against the Seahawks. And I think that only begins to tell the story of how good he was. There was a lot of tough yards in there. I thought the the blocking from the tight ends was complete dog bleep, yeah. and the number of times he was hit in the backfield, or there's somebody, you know, there's traffic in the backfield, and Montgomery was able to make someone miss and plow through. And I mean, he listen, he had a beautiful touchdown run, 18 yards taken off the board by Josh Reynolds' penalty, and he was pissed at that point because he already lost a fumble, which <laughs> of course was a low point for him. And he was so pissed, you could see it. He ran through like four guys into the end zone. That was taken off the board, and then they extended the drive. And he still punched it in. Um, Montgomery was very good and then left this game and uh, uh, could miss multiple games. And that's a big blow because Jimmy Gibbs is super athletic. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it has not really been an effective rusher yet in his very young career. Really good as a pass catcher. Although he dropped a big one today. Um, but without Montgomery, you go to a more of a speed option with Gibbs or you have Craig yeah. Reynolds as, um, as the backup. and just doesn't have the tackle breaking ability that Montgomery does. And I think that's a huge downgrade for a team that wants to run the football. James Houston could be out for the foreseeable uh, because of an ankle injury. Antoine Green, the receiver, uh, head injury, Kirby Joseph, hip injury, Gardner Johnson, some kind of injury that he he played through. Uh, This is a beat up team going into week three, Ben. And uh, I think that will be a developing storyline as this team tries to lick its wounds and, you know, regroup with, Atlanta coming into town. Yeah, and the Montgomery loss among those could be very, very big against a Falcons team that is going to run a 1979-style Big Ten offense because the vertical attack is going to be hard to come by because the Falcons have a very elite safety duo duo with Jesse Bates and Keanu Neal back there. And, I mean, gosh, their defense is – that Atlanta defense throws a lot of different looks at you, and they're going to be able to key in on the Lions if Montgomery can't go. They got to hope to have Decker back. But I mean, this next week's could be an ugly, low scoring game because this Falcons team is going to try and control the clock and they're not going to give anything up over their heads. So, I mean, it's uh, that Montgomery and Decker injuries. Those are and big V. Those are those are three big ones to watch. The good news is they have Graham Glasgow coming off the bench, and I think they lose very little with him playing right guard versus Big V. Those guys alternated throughout training camp anyway. And then the defensive secondary, I do think that some eyes will be on the status of Kirby Joseph and C.J. Garner-Johnson. But when those guys went down, Tracy Walker comes on the field. The guy who's played a lot of football for you, former captain for you. I mean, you you really saw some of the, the depth we've been talking about throughout camp flexed in this game because... Even when they had injuries flooding the field, it kind of felt like they just kept rolling. And mm-hmm. yeah, they lost this game, but they they lost this game for other reasons, not because that their second teamers were were you know not ready for this game. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think their pass blocking gets better with Glasgow. The run blocking might take a hit, but I mean, you take that trade off in certain categories because Graham Glasgow is one hundred percent a starting level guard for sure. Lions lose a heartbreaker in overtime, 37-31. Lots to think through i think ben in the coming week i, I use almost use the word concern i think concern is too strong of a word yeah. the you know i think we both think very highly of this team and particularly in the vision that that's pretty wide open everyone lost today um so you're still very much in it and you know i, I don't think my prognosis my, my outlook for this team changes whatsoever but clearly some things to work on particularly in the past rush and some injury worries um popping up as well heading into falcons week that's it for us today um signing off from here in the uh, 
radio booth at the press yeah, box. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts: Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.